0: Welcome to Down in the Den. It's your boy, Mars, and thank you so much for joining us on our Friday recap of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode five, the penultimate episode. Big deal, big deal going on. It was an episode that I was expected to have a heavy amount of exposition, and it most certainly did. It set us for the home stretch of this season. And I'm ready to get into it. So we opened up with Captain Decapitation on the run from uh, pretty much his cold-blooded murder. Uh, it was like an episode of something from a horror movie. And he was pretty much on World Star because in episode four, the entire world captured them on their phones, murdering a flat smasher in cold blood. We see his PTSD sink in for a moment as the gravity of what he has just done really starts having impact on him. He's soon confronted by Sam and Bucky as we see Walker snap back into control and pretty much says, Time to go to work. He tries to act like nothing really big happened and orders Sam and Bucky to get checked out as he thinks they may need some medical assistance, but we realize that they're not really there to do that. Sam tries to play the role of a negotiator and lets Walker know that, hey, due to your record, we may be able to keep you from rotting in prison. We may be able to keep you from getting court-martialed, but I'm going to need the shield. And just like Sam said earlier in the sentence, it's always the last sentence. Walker has no plans on giving up that shield, nor that title, nor all of the honor and respect that goes with being Captain America. And we see that the battle had shades of Steve Rogers versus, and Bucky versus Iron Man in Civil War. Uh, we also saw some shades of the battle on Titan when Iron Man's team tried to get the gauntlet off Thanos as both Bucky and Sam try everything they can to get the shield off of Walker. And Walker is really holding his own. In fact, he's doing more than holding his own because obviously Bucky is a super soldier himself, with the bionic arm from uh, made out of vibranium, and Sam is a trained Avenger who's no slouch and knows how to use his gear in multiple ways, which have really highlighted how lethal Sam is as an Avenger, even though he got handed to him by Ant-Man, but that's neither here nor there. Thankfully, Star-Lord wasn't there to mess everything up, and after breaking Walker's arm, Bucky and Sam were able to take back the shield. This battle, of course, was not without consequences as Sam's wings were also broken in the battle. We also saw a very cool Easter egg for Torres taking on the mantle of the Falcon as Sam leaves the wings with him. If we recall earlier in episode one, Torres was very interested in tinkering with Sam's equipment. So I think this was some foreshadowing for what's to come if they have a Season 2 with Torres' character taking on the mantle. And even though he hasn't had much to do in the series, it's really likable, really cool character, and I hope he gets to take on that mantle of uh, uh, Falcon. We then flash forward to a very interesting courtroom scene where Walker has his title and career pretty much taken from him, as well as his benefits, his pension, and really his entire future. And it was almost sad. For a moment, you had a little bit of sympathy for Walker because he goes to them and he states, you built me. You built me. You made me who I am. And he pretty much just walks away as he's being chastised by the army. We now see some parallels between earlier episode one with Walker's wife there when he took on the mantle. And now she's there. When he has to give up the mantle. And really his career is over. And she's still supportive. Don't know if she knows that he's roided out of his mind. But she's still very supportive. And then. We get the big cameo. That we were teased. This big character. Who's going to have a. Likely future role. Who had never been seen in the. Movies before. And. It's Elaine from Seinfeld. That's right. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is now Valentine Fontaine in the MCU. And I'm here for it. I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. I like Veep. I'm a huge Julia Louis-Dreyfus fan. And I think she will be awesome as Valentine Fontaine, also known to the comic book heads, as Madame Hydra. And if you don't know anything about this character, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But she's very much the Hydra version of Nick Fury. But she's also been on both sides. A double agent, a triple agent. So there's a lot to mine from that character. And for those who are Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans, you might recall there was a off-brand version of Madame Hydra, uh, the LMD ADA but clearly we're going for a more comic book accurate version. And with the Darkhold and Midam Hydra both being used in the MCU in two respective series, I think this pretty much did any relation to Agents, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and it really seals that everything we saw in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is not going to be considered canon in the MCU, which I don't think anyone thought it would be after a while, but it, it's good to find out that that's definitely not the case and hopefully we can end up finding out that this is just the agents of shield universe is a parallel universe maybe the loki show or multiverse of madness can bring that into effect sam then takes the shield back to baltimore to visit our good friend isaiah bradley the first black super soldier and we get more details about his tragic backstory and what he did to lead to his 30-year incarceration He tells Sam, no self-respecting black man. We want to carry that shield. And it appears for a moment, Sam kind of agrees with him. And Sam's character has never really let race play a part uh, of his arc. He always seemed a little bit surprised. So it was very interesting to see him really hear the horrors of what the government that he served for the majority of his life has really done to an innocent man who did not deserve it, who's a hero. Sam wants to go public, and it seems like a reoccurring theme is that Sam says, hey, I know people. He was a former Avenger. He knows some people for sure. But I think Isaiah Bradley realizes that you don't have as much power and goodwill as you thought you did. You couldn't even get improved for a loan, and you've literally saved, uh, been one of the main people to help save the universe. But, uh, yeah, it's just a really poignant moment, and it really impacts on what's going on today is it seems like we're in a brand new civil rights movement for people of color all across the country. So it was really poignant and very, very emotional and just, just great acting, great writing. And I hope, I hope we can get a Isaiah Bradley story. They can do it like the young Indiana Jones with maybe the character as an old man telling stories, an anthology series. There's so much to mine here that literally, The MCU could create a show about anyone in any of these shows, and I'd probably watch it, and it'd probably be pretty damn good. We go back to New Orleans to wrap up the story about the legacy in Sam's family, and one of Sam's nephews leak that they can't sell the boat because of the condition. Sam calls in a few favors, and it really shows the importance of the Wilson family and that New Orleans community, and people come out and flock to bond together to help out Sam and his family. Bucky, on the other hand, has unfinished business with my favorite character of the series thus far, Zemo. And Zemo being the ever-so-cool Hannibal Lecter-style boss that he is, doesn't even flinch when Bucky puts the blicky right in Zemo's face. And then my women crush every day, Ayo shows up. The Dora roll up on Zera, Zemo, and they advise that, hey, we're taking him to the raft, which is supposed to be... The most secure prison or one of the most secure prisons in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Even though Captain America somehow bust in and broke out all of his friends without even busting a sweat while wearing a leather jacket and no shield. But that's neither here nor there. In other words, Zemo shall return. And I wouldn't be surprised if that ship never makes it back to Wakanda. Ayo advises Bucky. He may want to steer clear from Wakanda for a bit, which is totally understandable, being that he partnered with the man who killed King T'Chaka. But before she goes, Bucky asks for one more favor, and then Bucky hands heads to meet with Sam. Bucky offers his help to rebuild the fishing boat, and they really have a heart to heart about Sam, about what's going on in his mind, and flirt with Sam's sister to Sam's chagrin. Sam also uses his counseling skills to help Bucky learn that making himself feel good is not going to make amends for his past sins as a winter soldier, but helping make someone else feel good is what's going to really bring that calm and peace. Easter egg alert. They just casually let it slip out that Bucky knew of Cap's plan all along to stay in the past. I also noticed that they continued to express that Cap is gone, never once saying dead, and I definitely feel... Old Man Cap might be setting up for the MCU version of Nick Fury's Man on the Wall, which I would be really stoked to see. And you don't even need, really, Chris Evans back. You could clearly just show some old white hair, Joe Biden-style, in a chair, monitoring from the moon, and that would be enough for me. But uh, either way, after a sick-ass 80s training montage of Sam throwing the shield in his backyard... We cut back to Walker speaking with Battlestar's parents and straight up lying to their face that he took out their son's killer. We know that's not true, but it really shows that the morals of Walker have just really drifted away. And I can't wait to see what's next for his character. I don't know if we're going to see him in the season finale, maybe the series finale, but I definitely feel that character is not gone and we're going to be seeing him again. And pretty soon in phase four or phase five. Now with Sam with the shield. It cuts back and parallels to the very first episode. Where Sam was giving up the shield. And putting on his suit to the ceremony. He opens the box that Bucky brings him from Wakanda. Which I believe will be his new Falcon slash Captain America suit. And we cut to the credits. So overall... It was the longest episode of any of the MCU Disney Plus shows, but it was awesome. It was really awesome. I wasn't really looking forward to the penultimate episode because there's always a little bit of die down before they build up. But we got a lot of answers. We closed a lot of storylines, and we really opened up some more intriguing storylines. So overall, I give this episode a 5 out of 5 stars. It was dope super dope, and I cannot wait until the season finale, and I'm hoping it's a season finale, not a series finale, because these characters and the grounded characters of the Captain American world are are really someone... uh, It's just really fantastic. Now, a few things that I left out that are somewhat important. Bat-Rot the Leaper is back, and I don't know if that was a guff, but the leader of the Flat Smashers called him George, as in his real name, and I don't know if anyone noticed that, but it should have been Bat Rock. And also, Sharon be shady. Sharon is shady. It's really leading me to believe that she may be the power broker, but once again, I do think that's a red herring designed to distract, distract us. And ultimately, I'm holding hope that the power broker is going to be um, Thunderbolt Ross, but we'll see. We'll see for sure. Anyway, it was a very, very awesome episode. Five out of five stars. The home stretch is coming and I can't wait to see how it ends. And overall, I'm loving it. I'm loving everything and I'm, I'm each series is getting better and better. Uh, my hype for Black Widow has died down since it's been delayed so much, but Loki I'm really stoked for, and of course, I'll see uh, Black Widow when that comes out. But that's it for our review and recap of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 5. I can't wait for Episode 6. Highly recommend if you haven't watched this series. And this has been our review in under 15 minutes.